Hi, I'm LaShawn Davis and welcome to the HR Plug. I am the founder and CEO of this HR consulting firm. And let me just tell you a little bit about what we do and who we are. The HR Plug serves people who are looking to thrive at work. If work is feeling cumbersome for you, then we are your solution and you need to plug into us. If you're a leader and you're leading people and you're just not relating to them properly or you're struggling with how to do it in a way that's not so much burdensome, then you need to plug into us. We're for corporations who are experiencing dysfunction and just don't know where to begin or you're having third party interference or someone that's coming and taking the loyalty away from your employees, then you want to plug into us. We are for anyone who wants to do well in what they do and we help you do that when you plug into us because we can plug into your potential and so i'm looking forward to you connecting with me i look forward to you plugging in and understanding what your full potential is so that you your company or your team can thrive Davis. I am the CEO and founder of The HR Plug. We are an HR consulting firm whose sole purpose is to offer genuine help and solutions for businesses and employees and entrepreneurs. And one of the problems that we've discovered is that HR professionals are tired from COVID and the social injustices and all the things that are happening in the workplace today they are tired and so our solution to that is the unplug experience 2022 the unplug experience is an opportunity for hr professionals who are burnt out who need a community of other hr professionals to come together with to find solutions and work together to tackle all that's coming in the workplace today like the great resignation and the great reshuffle and people firing and hiring those ever-evolving cycles it is now time to take care of the people who take care of the people. And that's what the Unplugged Conference is all about. It's taking place in Atlanta, Georgia on March the 30th through April the 1st. It is a three-day hybrid experience, two days in person and one day virtual. It's a time where you will get three things. Number one, an opportunity to unplug an opportunity to disconnect from the workplace and really refuel to get re-energized and re-engaged in what it means to be an HR professional today. It's an opportunity for you to disconnect so that you can rest and really take a step back to refuel yourself because there's no way to be an impact for an organization if you yourself are unable to be impactful because you're tired. Number two, there are going to be training and development opportunities where we're going to have industry leaders available to talk to us about how to rest, how to establish boundaries, how to be influential with your leadership to help them understand what it means to take care of employees in the future of work. There's going to be opportunities to take wellness seriously so that you can get a holistic perspective of how to balance your health with work and finally it's going to be an opportunity to be pampered we are going to take care of you because hr professionals have been taking care of the people for so long and now it's time for someone to take care of them so if you know an hr professional if you are an hr professional and you want to understand more about what this unplug experience is all about 
visit the website unpluggedconference.com. It will give you information. It'll give you opportunities to sign up. We have even established to have on-site lodging where you can stay right at the venue and have every need catered to for this event. There's also opportunities to sponsor if you're unable to make it, but you want to support an HR professional who you know needs this. Unplug, there's nothing else like it. Unpluggedconference.com will give you all the information and I hope to see you there. Hello, 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 and good evening, everyone. Welcome to another episode of Let's Get Plugged. So excited to be here. We have an amazing guest tonight, an amazing topic tonight, and I'm just excited to hear about what you guys are going to learn and what you're going to take away from tonight and apply so that for your next opportunity, whether it's an internal position, an external position, whatever it is, you are representing yourself well and you are commanding what you are worth. And tonight we're going to talk about how you do that. And we have some questions that came in, but as usual and as normal, I want you guys to be engaging as well. Um, so if you are watching, let us know that you are here. Say hello. Let us know where you are from. I see we have JP. Hello. Happy to catch you live. So happy that you're joining us tonight, JP. And we have Israf here. Hi, Israf. How are you? I am so excited that you are here for this episode. And it's so on time for you as a college student as well, um, because sooner or later, you're going to be job searching and this is going to be everything you'll need to know so that you can position yourself for success when that time comes. And we have uh, Tracy. Hi, all the way from Atlanta. Hey, Tracy, thank you for joining and um, welcome to the show tonight. And so let me just share with you guys before we jump into the topic, a few announcements, but I promise I won't take long because we have a lot to cover tonight. First, reminding you about the Unplug Conference. It is coming up March 30th through April the 1st. Make sure that if you are an HR professional, you are influencing and um, having your leader support you attend this event. It is so well overdue and so necessary for us as HR professionals to make sure that we're taking care of ourselves so that we can take care of everyone else like we're expected to. Um, make sure that you visit unpluggedconference.com to learn more about this event. And if you have any questions concerning this event, be sure to uh, send, send an email to hello at unpluggedconference.com as well. And a member of my team will be able to address any questions that you have. And I want to point out that our guest tonight is also one of the speakers at this conference. So You'll get a taste of her unapologetic sass that I love so much tonight. And if you are enjoying what you're going to see, you definitely want to make sure you are in the room at this conference. Also want to remind you guys, coming up this month, the Black Successful Creators event, that is a um, production of Creator Content Creator University, JP Hightech. And I am honored to be speaking at this event. It is a series where he's going to be talking to uh, some successful creators and 
allowing us to share some of our struggles, our trials, and our triumphs with you. So make sure that you tune in to this. It kicks off next week on his YouTube channel, JP Connect Reviews. And I am going to be talking on February the 15th. It'll be 7 p.m. Eastern Standard, um, Standard Time. And I'll be talking about what it takes to step out in faith. And it takes a whole lot to do that when you are fulfilling the purpose that you were called to do. And so I'm going to be sharing my story. I'm going to be sharing sides of me that I don't normally share with folks, but it's important for me to help others understand this platform that I'm doing, how much faith it really takes for me to do what I've been called to do. So make sure you tune in February the 15th on uh, the JP High Tech Reviews YouTube channel. Also want to remind you guys that I am on audio podcast avenues as well. So anywhere that you listen to your favorite podcast, make sure that you tune into the HR plug there. And if you're listening to us on the audio stream, thank you for doing that. If you're watching us on YouTube, thank you for being here. But if you have to hop off or miss something and you want to catch something else, make sure you uh, go into your favorite place where you listen to audio podcasts and make sure you tune into the HR plug there as well. And I also want to remind you that I am available for consultations. If you have a HR question, a problem as an employee or an employer, you can book a free consultation with me and we can work through navigating through your workplace challenge together. If you visit my website, www.thehrplug.com, it will allow you to book this free consultation and you can schedule your appointment and we can work together to make sure that you get what you need resolved because that is why we do what we do. Um, and my guests are just as passionate about teaching you guys the tools and the resources and providing the support that you need so that you can be successful and thrive in your careers, in the workplace or any endeavors that you um, have. So. That's the announcements for tonight. I want to tell you all about Kimberly Jones, who is our guest tonight. She is not only the CEO of Kelton Legend, she is also a talent acquisition superhero. And I will let her explain why she is a superhero, but I will tell you why she's my superhero, uh, just because there aren't many people in the HR space sometimes that have the confidence or the courage to stand up and teach you guys sometimes what the system doesn't want you to know. And I am like that, hence the HR plug. And so is she. And that's why she is a talent acquisition superhero to me. And I can always depend on her to be upfront, open and honest about anything she is as raw and as and, and uncut as it gets. And that's what I love about her because it is, you know, all straight, no chaser with Kimberly. So on her uh, profile, she even describes herself as someone who is not afraid to tell the truth about talent acquisition. And that's what we're going to be doing tonight on this episode. So let me see. I'm going to bring Kimberly in and um, allow her to tell tell her a little bit about you, uh, about herself. And um, while I do that, I want to go ahead and acknowledge some of you guys that are in the room. Hello, designer me, Tia. Hi, Tia from Oklahoma. Thank you for joining. We have Leah online. Hi, Leah. Thank you for joining. Appreciate the love. And my fellow HR colleague, Carlene. 
from Tampa. Hey, Carlene, thank you for joining. I am so excited that you are here um, because you too are an HR professional that has a lot of insight that you may want to share as well. We have Tia all the way from LA. Hi, Tia. Thank you for joining. And so let me, without further ado, allow Kim to introduce herself, the talent acquisition superhero herself. Hi, Kim. How are you? I am fantastic. Thank you so much. I am excited to be here. So as LaShawn mentioned, Kimberly Jones, I am, uh, I hold a, a, I'll say I wear a lot of hats. So I am still managing the organization that I founded, which is Kelton Legend, we're a talent acquisition consulting practice that includes talent acquisition strategy, process, resources, team dynamics. And one of the areas that we specialize in is HR technology. And so there aren't a lot of women in technology, certainly not a lot of black women. And so I pride myself on being um, unique in this space that we partner with organizations to write RFPs, to manage vendors, to co-project manage um, implementation. And then also what, I, what I'll say we specialize in is the Frankenstein. When organizations have made a mess of the technology that they have in place, we help them figure out if it can be fixed or if they need to go back out to market. Um, in addition to that, I am fortunate to be, um, I hold two roles at the University of California, Irvine. I've been an instructor with the university since 2017. I teach a course that's technology applications in talent management as part of a global HR certification program. And I'm also senior director for enterprise talent strategy for uh, the entire university, which includes the main campus, our health sciences, and then also UCI Health, which is a hospital and the ambulatory clinics. And so I tell people I grew up in talent acquisition. I started at Nationwide Insurance Company. I spent about 10 years in the aerospace industry, um, left my last role in aerospace. I worked at NASA, started Kelton Legend, and then also kind of branched out um, to take some more risk and continue to evolve who I am. So I, I am... I feel more than fortunate to be here with you to kind of add this to my career journey. Wow. And we are fortunate to have you. Did y'all hear that resume? Wow. We we are definitely just as fortunate for you to be here um, with us tonight, Kim. And you guys know, you guys heard the talent that is at your fingertips. So make sure you engage and you ask questions tonight that you have about if compensation, uh, finding a job, interviewing for a job, you know, whatever it is, this is your opportunity to not only ask, but get the real, the real, real, real truth about what it is and how to do it in a way that benefits and is most suitable for you. And so, Kim, let me tell you, isn't it ironic that we have been planning this episode for quite some time and I don't know um, how many of you watching follow, you know, HR on social media, but this weekend there was this post that went viral and I was like, Kim, can you believe this happened this weekend? We were just going to talk about this on Tuesday. So I want to give you guys some receipts, you know, as, as my children say, I want to give you guys some receipts to, to show you and explain to you just how real this topic is and why it is so important for you to understand the advantage that you have by engaging with us tonight. And so this weekend, there was an HR professional and I got this from an article um, that that was that was released. And she uh, tweeted or shared somehow on social media, the following statement that I'm going to share for those listening through audio. 
So it says, I just offered a candidate $85,000 for a job that had a budget of $130,000. I offered her that because that's what she, that's what she asked for. I personally don't have the bandwidth to give lessons on salary negotiation. Here's the lesson. Always ask for the salary you want, deserve, no matter how large you think it might be. You never know how much money a company has to work with. And while her last statement is very much true, this whole second paragraph about um, I offered her that that's because because of what she asked for is the problem that we face today in the HR community. And that is an HR professional who posted that. And um, it bothered me, it disturbed me, and it amped me up for tonight to talk about this because this is why you need to make sure you have HR folks in your corner that are teaching you how to advocate for yourself because if you are depending only or solely on the HR person at the company you're trying to work for or at the company you work at, you could be setting yourself up not to be successful. So you have to learn the, the tools and jewels to um, teach yourself and advocate for yourself and stand up for yourself and know what you rightfully deserve. Kim, when you saw that, what was your thought process? What did you think? Ooh, um, <laughs> so a number of things. Um, it, it solidified for me um, the article that I have been working on for the past couple months. Um, anybody who follows me on um, Facebook or on, uh, on LinkedIn knows that um, prior to the holiday, I had shared two posts. One was advice to candidates. I started with candidates in a very, for a very intentional reason, but I also gave advice to um, my, uh, my peer talent acquisition professionals. And so when I read this, um, it actually made me quite furious because I understand that we as talent acquisition professionals sit at the intersection of connecting people with opportunities to help people pay their bills, take care of their family, go on vacation. And so I take a lot of pride in the fact that I do have that power. And for someone to misuse that trust and that authority in such a gross, disgusting way, it was not well-intentioned in her sharing uh, sharing that, that post either. That really bothered me. Secondly, I thought about the candidate. How defeating might it have been for that person to learn through social media that she had been taken advantage of and, mm. and been devalued. And so again, you know, what I had started back in November and December, the article had started working on that I went ahead and published on, on Saturday because I knew it was uh, it was the right time to talk about and what I hope I wanna, I wanna be the voice that talks about killing this whole negotiation um, process. It solidified for me what I know. There are a lot of people in this space who don't have the heart to be recruiters, who give recruiters a bad name. And so I'm hopeful that this will also help talent acquisition leaders weed out or coach appropriately the people who have the power to really con control or influence um, how other people uh, really make a livelihood. Yes, that is so true because I thought about, you know, we talk about the pay gap right? And, and the mm -hmm. inequities that exist and recruiters and talent acquisition professionals are some of the people that could help, you know, mm -hmm. uh, with that, that gap. And, and this is just an example sometimes of why it exists. And I'm a firm believer in not everybody has access or information to everything. And um, yes. so yes. 
that's why we are here to share some access and information tonight. And so Kim, you know, let's just start off about, you know, if I'm applying for a job and, and I'm, I'm preparing for that interview, how do I prepare? Like, how should I be preparing to make sure that I'm applying for the right jobs and um, know who I am as a candidate? Yeah, so your career search starts with you. Before you um, send a resume, before you create a resume, you have to take inventory into who you are um, as a candidate. And so where um, we tend to, in your resume, in chronological order, list education, list list all your jobs, before you even do that, take stock in who you are. I know a lot of people are into journaling. Have you sat down and actually taken the time to inventory who you are? Yes, mm-hmm. what's your education? What credentials do you have? What education um, do, uh, do you have? What professional experience? But what else is it about you that is notable that could prove to be useful in your career? Are you detail oriented? Are you a natural problem solver? Um, are you the person who helps to manage to manage conflict? You need to make sure that you have taken stock into who you are. And in, in those times of self-reflection, also give yourself space to solicit feedback. In a corporate environment, there's a process called 360, where you solicit feedback from people at different vantage points in your life. They're able to see things that you're not able to see about yourself. We have blind spots. We also don't like to admit that we have flaws. And so before you actually create a resume, make sure that you have created an inventory of all of the skill sets, competencies, passions that you have. So now when it's time to write your resume, you haven't taken for granted anything that you might really, uh, that you should amplify in your resume when your resume then actually goes out, uh, out uh, out to an employer. So that's the very first step that people should take. But what I often see people do is, who can I pay to make my resume look good? Your resume is a reflection of you. Have you really documented all of the attributes that are notable and have you best positioned them to make you the most, uh, to help you be competitive in a a competitive talent market? Wow. So journal, and we heard journal before on this show, but write down and categorize who you are. And that's so important because I remember interviewing for a job once and they asked me, you know, what do people say about you that makes you, you know, that makes you different or unique? And I had to think about that. Like, what do people say about me? I never asked. Mm -hmm. I never even thought about Mm -hmm. it, but I'm prepared to tell you why I should get this job, but I wasn't prepared to talk about me. And so- That is is a key takeaway, Kim. We have to be in a position to recognize who we are, identify what that is and what that looks like, and be prepared to showcase that in the interview, right? Yes, absolutely. absolutely. Awesome. Awesome. And so, you know, a lot of times what I see too is, you know, people are completing these resumes and they're just throwing them out there blindly. Like, I just need a job. I, I don't... I don't care where where it is or 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 what it is. I just need a job. And what's your thoughts on that? Like, you know, should resumes be tailored to specific um, types of industries or types of fields, or you know, is it okay to be general with it as long as I'm not going too specific? Yeah. So I I will say in the time that I've been in this industry, I've always heard you know people talk about you know tailor your resume. And let me just be honest, most people don't have the bandwidth or the time to come up with seven different versions of their resume. I'm just, I'm realistic um, about that. 
your resume. So for example, I'm a talent acquisition professional. I'm not a veterinarian. I'm not a cook. I'm not a fashion model. So I wouldn't have those four different versions of my resume. I am a talent acquisition leader. And in, in doing so, if I apply for a position, I'm applying for things that sit very solidly in my wheelhouse. It wouldn't require me necessarily to come up with a different version of, um, of my resume. A couple of things about your resume. Your resume speaks for you when you're not in the room. And when I think about the number of organizations that I worked for, especially because they had they were large organizations, they had a very notable employment brand, it was not uncommon for me to have requisitions where 50 people or 200 people applied. And so where you don't have the benefit of being uh, on the, you know, in the room or on the screen with that recruiter, what does your resume say about you? It's your voice. It is your ticket. And has it been positioned? Now, I know a lot of people get caught up into cosmetics. I tend to be a recruiter who is more focused on content. But what does your resume actually say about you? The second piece of your question is, do you cast a wide net? And I was just reading right before we got online. I looked at a number of people who were celebrating, you know, I finally got a job and they listed, you know, after you know, 400 Indeed applications after um, 200 LinkedIn applications. And one of the things that I talked about and what I shared back in November, some people are so desperate to hear from anybody, they will talk to everybody. You have frustrated yourself because you have not focused your career search on industries or organizations that really are best aligned with your career goals. You shouldn't really need to apply for 400 positions. And so if you did, and now you have suffered through 399 rejections, that was some self-inflicted um, career pain that was unnecessary. And so I'm never one to promote, just send your resume everywhere. No, use your time wisely, be strategic. And not just the number of positions, I've also seen here lately, um, you know, apply for the positions that you're qualified for. Yes, apply for the positions you are qualified for because you want to be competitive and God forbid you be offered a position that you don't have the capability to perform. Again, you're setting, your, you're setting yourself up for failure. And so I tend to provide people the advice that, that says, what industries do you want to work for? What organizations do you want to work for? And why? Focus on those because in addition to applying, also building out your network of people who work there or people who are prepared to advocate on your behalf as a candidate will be really important for you as well. Networking. Yes, that is that's that is key, because um, if you're if you're not in a circle of people that you can network with or put on a job application, you may need to reevaluate your circle of people <laughs> because you need to be connecting yourself with people who can help elevate you or who are where you're trying to be. And so your network sometimes determines your net worth. And I say that a lot because you are the people and the company that you keep. So good, good, good stuff, Kim. And we have a question. So let me go over here mm -hmm. to this question really quickly. So um, Kim, we have a question here. It says, nice to virtually meet you tonight. Would love to hear your thoughts on what some may consider controversial. Specifically, do you recommend job seekers share their vaccination status on resumes? Absolutely not. Absolutely okay. not. So um, let me give you this answer from a couple of different vantage points. I have asthma. 
Um, I am deathly afraid of contracting COVID because I have two boxers. My boxers are not nurses. And if I get sick, um, I, I, I am very, fe very fearful of what, what COVID might cause for me. I also work for a university uh, that has a hospital and we have a vaccination uh, policy. Uh, last year, I was fortunate enough to be asked to um, be one of the um, directors for our COVID vaccine clinic. We understand that for a lot of organizations, it is a condition of employment. But to the extent that you are sharing that information on your resume, absolutely not, because it's a condition of employment. Let employers consider you based on the merits of your education and your professional experience. If those employers have policies around vaccination and not just specific to COVID, you, there, there might be other other conditions of employment. Let the process play itself out. It doesn't necessarily make you make you more marketable. Again, it's a condition of employment and it'll be discussed in the process when it's the appropriate time to have that discussion. Right. Definitely good, good call. Cause a lot of people are so um apprehensive, like, I don't know if I should tell them or if I shouldn't. I don't want to, you know, risk not getting the job. But, you know, remember like like, you know, uh, Kimberly said the the resume speaks before you get in the room. It, 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 what do you want? Do you need people to know that about you before they meet you? And that's what you kind of want to think about when you're deciding what to put on your resume. But that yeah. is a great question, especially for now. And again, guys, if you guys have questions, just drop them in the chat, drop them in the comments, and we will, um, you know, get to them. So, um, wow. So, you know, answering and asking questions in the interview. How many times have you interviewed candidates, Kim, and they have these pre, you know, we always say prepare for the interview, right? But it doesn't mean just prepare with the questions you practice with. You got to be ready to answer the questions that they ask. So what are some tips or what is your whole thought process behind that piece? Yeah. So a couple things, advice that I share with candidates, but advice that I also share within my organization Interviews aren't just about the company selecting the candidate. It's also about the candidate selecting the company. So those questions have to be well thought out. You don't want to go someplace that you haven't taken the time to really appropriately vet. Is this the, is this um, the right place for me to go? And so, yes, be prepared for what you believe are the standard interview questions. One of the pieces of advice that I give candidates is if you and you should save the job posting that you apply to anticipate that they are going to ask you questions based on what was in the job posting. So if the job posting says must be able to, you know, um, manage projects, expect that there is a question. There will be a question that says, tell me about a time when you managed a project. Make sure that you have in your recent memory and are able to quickly provide a credible example what you did, how you worked your way through it, and what the outcomes were, it's really important to give a complete response and not just an answer because you want to make sure you give them something to kind of noodle on after the interview to, as they're evaluating you. On the flip side of that, and I am an interviewer who writes down the questions that the candidate asked me because when I now go into my debrief, that's part of how I create a profile. How insightful was this person? How inquisitive were they? Um, how related? How how um, how comprehensive um, were were the candidates' questions? Because that gives me some insight into how they might be as part of our team. And so um, today we just we were debriefing about internship candidates, and one of the managers talked about a question that really made an impact. A candidate said based on what you see in my resume how do you see me contributing to the success of your team the manager was very impressed 
um, with that question. And so, especially for, for an early career. So making sure that you have established a set of questions that help you make your own decision. Let me give you this analogy and then I'll pause. The same way we go on Yelp to figure out where we're gonna eat dinner and what was a five star or a four star, I want you to give that same level of interest to, to the questions you ask in your interview as you deciding which restaurant are we going to for dinner for dinner tonight. Yes, it's that serious. It, it this is. is your livelihood. This is your livelihood. And it, it's what leads to that, that, I, you know, I touched on this before and I won't harp on it, but, you know, people keep talking about normalized job hopping. If you do this process right, <laughs> that Kim is teaching us tonight, you don't have to worry about job hopping because you've made an informed decision. You know where you work, you know what you're going to get paid and you know what's available for you down the future because you're asking these the right questions. So that that right there, I think, is so key. Are you asking questions at the end of the at the end of your interview? And are you asking the right ones? So let me give you my go to question. I'm about to put you all up on game. OK, put, put this question, put this question in your repertoire of questions. If you're an early career person, if you're a mid-career person um, and you are now about to entrust the remainder of your career to someone, ask the leader this question. What have you learned about yourself as a leader based on feedback from your team? Wow. <laughs> Let me repeat it. Let me repeat it. What have you learned about your leadership style based on feedback from your team. Let me tell you why this question is important. First of all, as a leader, have you even been open to feedback from your team? Secondly, have you taken that feedback to heart to modify who you are or reinforce that you are a good leader? You don't wanna go anywhere and sit under somebody's organization and not have confidence that that person is a good leader. Wow. 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 I was writing down the question myself because I'm going to I'm I'm, I'm going to post this because that what have you learned about your leadership style based on feedback from your team? Because if yeah. they can't answer that, look, they're quick to ask you, what's your weakness? What is an area you can improve on? Yes. 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 Ooh, that's a good one. That is a really good and one. I'm just going to say amen myself. That, listen, that question is useful. That yes. question, is, I dare you, anybody who's in the job market, I dare you to add that question um, to your to your list of questions and then decide whether or not this is really an opportunity that I want to pursue. Absolutely. Because that question could also tell you if you're about to deal with a toxic leader. That question, yes. is, <laughs> that question will give you so much insight about the person that you about to spend yes. the majority of your day with five days a week. Yes. So yes. interview them just as much as they're interviewing you with the yes. things that are important Absolutely. to you and a leader. Make sure you ask them the, the, the questions Absolutely. that will give you that information. Wow. Absolutely. That's a good one. That is a really, really good one. So you ready to talk about negotiations? Yes, I am. I'm ready. I'm, so I'm every, ready. <laughs> so, you know, negotiations is one of the biggest, um, topics. And so there's two, two ways I want to talk about it. So one, we got a question in and the question was when I'm preparing for negotiation, do I ask the, the interviewer or the recruiter that I'm speaking with, 
what's your budget for the role? Do I ask them what, do I share what the market is for the role? Like how do I establish what that dollar amount is that I'm even negotiating to begin with? So that is the question that we had. And then I also want you, if you can, to just touch on your philosophy when it comes to negotiating and and, and how to handle that. Yeah, so I'm gonna answer them in reverse because I wanna build up a foundation and then be able to talk about that specific question. So. Um, I will say in the past year, I have started in a very deliberate way, refraining from using the word negotiation because the process and the concept has been bastardized in such a detrimental way. Um, And it doesn't fit into who organizations on the market says we are when we're talking about talent. We do all of this stuff in these fancy job postings and courting candidates and interviews and candidate experience. And then we get to the offer negotiation negotiation stage and we automatically become adversaries of each other for 48 hours because nobody wants to be honest or transparent at the risk of being taken advantage of. How did we get from, I love you, I love your resume to, but I don't know if you're really who you say you are and I don't know if I wanna open up my whole purse for you. Or as a candidate, you ask, well, I don't want to I don't want them to lowball me. And I always respond when people reach out to me and ask me for advice. My response to this always is, why do you want to work for an organization that you think would lowball you? They do it now. What do you think they're going to do once you get locked into a framework of common effective dates and salaries and defined and defined budgets? And so for me, it's all about transparency, information and education. Lately, what we have seen is the cute little hashtag, um, put the salary in the job posting. And every time I've seen it, I want to throw my laptop because I'm like, y'all are so (laughs) shallow because you're not even having the whole conversation. Salary is part of total compensation. And I'm sorry, I'm so passionate about this. So let me preach. I don't miss anything. (laughs) So salary is part of total compensation. You have your salary, whether or not you're non-exempt or exempt. You have vacation, you have sick, you have benefits, whether they're offered, what the employer versus employee contribution is. Do you have a traditional pension? Do you have 401k? Do you have um, tuition assistance? There are so many pieces to a total compensation. And we miss out on things that have a financial value because we get so focused on, let me out negotiate. Let me see if I can out negotiate and out negotiate this company. So the reason why I say I don't want to use the word negotiate because I want to focus on communicate. If you communicate, you don't have to negotiate. I know that there are career coaches maybe in this group who might even see this later and they're going to think she doesn't know what she's talking about. I do. And I dare you to have a conversation with me about it. If you communicate, you don't have to negotiate companies put the total compensation package, the all of the information in the job posting. When the recruiter and the candidate get on the phone for the phone screen, don't first ask, tell me about your salary expectations. Lead that part of the discussion with, let's go back and revisit what we shared in the job posting because people are more willing to have a conversation with things that they know versus the timidness of, is it right for me to bring this up right now? Let me give you one one of the areas, sign on bonuses. A sign-on bonus is typically used for one of two things, to incentivize an offer or to make a candidate whole. 
maybe the company has gone as far as they can go in the annual salary. They really want you to come, but they, you know, we're really at our budget. We can't create this inequity with the team. But to prove to you that we really are committed, we're going to give you a sign-on bonus. Or you are leaving a company before a bonus would be paid out and you don't want to leave that money on the table. A company may say, okay, if you're going to miss your bonus and you can provide proof, we will give you that as your sign-on bonus. Or say, for instance, you have a relocation repayment agreement or they um, provided me with tuition assistance. And if I leave before a certain date, I have, I have to pay that money back. They might offer you that in a sign-on bonus. Have those conversations up front because we know uh, what, for companies that you can trust, you know what, what you're actually dealing with. I also, as a matter of practice, after I know I've shared first and then I've asked the candidate more about what their salary expectations are, I make sure I ask candidates, are you prepared to tell me what you will say yes to? Not because I'm trying to lock them in and never give them what they're worth. I want to know, you'd really tell, tell me what you will say yes to because if you are the chosen candidate, I want to make quick work of that time from, from your interview to offer, to put an offer in your hand, because I don't want you sitting out on the market for somebody else to come, to come and swoop you up. So now, when it comes to the discussion, every organization is a little bit different. Sometimes a recruiter is really leading the conversation, sometimes compensation, sometimes the HR business partner, sometimes the manager. Again, you have to understand who's leading the discussion, but be transparent, not because you think this is a game, but because you are confident about your worth in two areas. I understand the scope of the role and I know what I bring to the table. Am I coming in still as a novice? Am I coming in and I can hit the ground running part of this peer group? Or am I coming in like, no, I, I brought a skill set with me that nobody else has. I believe I should be I should be at the top of the range. So let me add one more thing and then I'm going to pause because I, I see the see um, the, the chat window. Um, well, let me, give me give you two things. One, if you join a company and you haven't asked them where they are in their common effective date, like their annual increase cycle, make sure you're asking that question. Because sometimes if you would end up going a longer period of time before you got an increase, they may go ahead and front load that in your annual salary. So you don't have to go so long without an increase. And so they'll, they'll bring you in where you, where you really should be. LaShawn, the question you asked about, I think it was an internal person who was, yep, is she actually, internal? Or she? Well, actually somebody else yeah. just asked it in the chat as well. Uh, okay. You know, love to hear about how to navigate internal promotions. Yes, so um, a lot of people get fixated on, if I'm moving into a promotion, I should get a 6% increase or 8% increase. That's not, that's not how it should work. What you should be more focused on is getting to the number that most appropriately compensates you for the work that you will be doing and what you bring to the table. So say for instance, you were really low in the range that you were in and now you're moving to a new range even though there's there's overlap it might take 14 percent to get you to one hundred and fifty-two thousand dollars. but if you were high in the range it may only take you four percent to get you to where you should be 
be the most focused on the number, the annual salary, the hourly rate that really appropriately compensates you for what you bring to the table and what the scope of, scope of the role is. And again, this doesn't have to be adversarial. This simply can be a question of, can you tell me how this process typically works when you are determining um, how to extend, you know, where you will end up with compensation either for, for external candidate or for internal candidate? If you ask the question, they are obligated to give you the answer. It's not because they're giving away secrets. You just want to know how the process works so that we can be cooperative throughout throughout this process and get to yes or no in a timely fashion. I won't say quick, but but in a um, in a timely fashion. So let me pause there because I shared a lot. Let me see what questions you have and let's see what questions we can answer from the chat. Wow. I mean, you dropped a lot of, of jewels here, Kim. I mean, what resonates with me most is you have to know what you want. When you walk in, do you know what will you, what will you, what you will say yes to? That That's the bottom yeah. line. Cause it's not a guessing game. Well, let me see how much I can get. No. What do you want to make and, and be, and be well with that. So, um, yeah, we did have some questions. So um, internal promotions we touched on. I mean, people are saying they're taking notes. I would encourage everybody, go ahead and get some paper and a pen and, and, and take some notes here because uh, there's going to be a lot shared. Um, total compensation is where it's at. That is so true, Kim. It's, it's not just about the salary. I just want to reiterate that point because sometimes, for real, companies have this thing called a budget. And for real, they may not be able to move or budge in that salary budget, but that total compensation budget, it looks a little bit different. But if you don't ask the questions or come prepared with that information or knowledge, you could be missing out on a perfect job opportunity because you were stuck or fixated on that bottom line salary. Um, so we have a question here. It segues a little bit, um, but someone is asking, you know, any suggestions on how I can best transition from being a contingent or a temporary um, employee because I want to move to full-time permanent employment? Yeah. So um, again, every company, every industry kind of has a different strategy. There are some organizations who have, they utilize their contingent workforce as a try it before you buy it. You have others where the contingent workforce really is about, hey, we just need to augment our current staff. Um, it could be um, people come in because they offer a specialization that's needed for some, you know, kind of, you know, finite period of time. It might be surged. You know, when you think about the retail industry, Target, Macy's, they hire extra people because because there's there's a surge. And so making sure that you know what that organization's really talent strategy is. Is it a try it before you buy it? Or is it, hey, you're here because we have, you know, kind of unique, discrete need? Well, while you're there, Take advantage of understanding that organization. What's their culture about? Which positions are most, you know, most often open? Um, you know, what's it look like for career development and career advancement? Uh, what does the interview process look like? So in the time that you are there, you can be your own secret shopper for your career to really understand what that environment is like. And you, you, we mentioned like networking, the power of networking. And let me be really clear when I talk about networking, this is not about hookup. This is about someone who was prepared to advocate on your behalf. I just got a phone call um, a couple days ago, a recruiter that previously worked on my team, you know, is it okay? I listed you as a reference. I said, Maggie, absolutely. 
I missed a call from the the director yesterday. I called him today. I'm I felt like he probably had a set of questions, but he opened up with, you know, tell me, you know, what can you tell me about this person? Well, because she had been so awesome, all he needed was one question. I told him about her being the best candidate from in her interview how she established a rapport with the hiring managers immediately. She was a trusted resource with her peers. She was trusted with the candidates. She took the initiative to redefine new employee orientation, especially because we had candidates who were English and Spanish speakers. He asked me one question. I gave him six things about her. And he said, wow, you answered all my questions. Thank you. I know he's going to proceed with, with his offer. That's not hookup, that's advocacy. So while you are at an organization and you are meeting people, make sure that your work positions you for people to speak positively about you if someone asks about you. Yes. Wow. So, you know, so Tia, to, to touch on that question, while you're in that temporary assignment, make the best of it. Build your network, you know, yes. get some leaders that are working with you to be able to vouch for you, whether it's staying there or going somewhere else. But I think one of the things that I never thought of until you just mentioned it tonight, Kim, is if you're in a contingent work situation or temporary work, find out about the assignment you're going to. Is it because it's peak season and they just need some support or is it a try it before you buy it type of situation? Um, because that will tell you then how to navigate and maneuver while you're there. If you know it's only peak season and, they're just, and, you, and this isn't going to be long term, then you pick up every skill set that you can. You make every network that you can with meaningful people so that when you go to your next assignment, you're building your circle. And if it's a yes. try it before you buy it, then you excel at it. So they have no choice but to 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 say you're on permanently. Um, Absolutely. So, Great, great, great stuff. We have another question here. We have, you know, I mean, a lot of compliments out here, Kim. Gloria says this is a lot of great information. Anissa, how are you? She says, don't be afraid to ask what you want. I have gained a lot by simply making an employer aware of my expectations and my needs. Communicate clearly. That is so true, Anissa. What are your expectations? Please don't settle because that's something that I did when I was so eager to get into a company. Oh, it's them. I, you know, I, I would settle. No shame because of the name of where, where I just want to get my foot in the door. Then when you get in your foot in the door, you don't know how to negotiate for internally. You don't know any of that because you threw all that out the window when you told them people you would take $20,000 less likely than what you should have asked for. Um, mm -hmm. So so it's so important that you know yourself, like Kim said earlier, but also know what expectations you seek from your potential employer. Um, yeah. You know, uh, mm -hmm. <laughs> Can we uh -huh. take this question from Tiara? Uh, yeah, here we go. Okay. So I wish I knew this three years ago. I know I left money on the table. Absolutely. So Tiara um, asked for any suggestions about negotiating benefits aside from, you know, uh, salary, like increased PTO time or student loan assistance. What are your thoughts, Kim? Yeah, so let me take the student loan assistance first. Um, in the past couple of years, because student loan debt is such a burden, um, you know, just uh, across the across our country. I recall President Obama and uh, First Lady Obama shortly after you know he was nominated. He talked about the fact that he and Michelle had just recently paid off their student loans from uh, from law school. 
And so like, man, about to be you in charge of the whole world and you still paying off student loans. So um, a lot of organizations have created in their um, in their benefit structure assistance for people so that you're not taking it out of your regular disposable income. And so I applaud those organizations who um, who have done that. I caution people that if you're going to work for an organization and that is something that's important to you, to you that you tie it really to a, to a business need. Is this something that is part of your compensation philosophy to help offset those who, um, who are still carrying student loan debt, knowing that my education really has better prepared me to be here, to be an attribute to your company. So make sure you are rooting that in a business need. The second piece is about increased PTO. Now, what you have the leverage to negotiate as an individual contributor versus someone in a leadership role, there's a huge difference. I will say the average, you know, kind of line staff really doesn't have leverage to say, I would like, you know, five or 10 more vacation days. But if you're a mid-career professional who might be leaving from somewhere and you have accumulated 20 days and the company that you're going to, everybody starts out starts out at 10, you may be able to leverage that. Now, it may ne never actually be coded into their HIS system. It may be a situation where the manager says, yep, when you go to take these additional days, we're just going to approve it as paid leave. And so you have to understand big or small companies, how formal they are, how structured, their systems are in place. Now, director, VP level, it is not uncommon for people, again, because these are mid-career, these are people who maybe who have left things on the table, who um, bring a body of knowledge um, and life experiences with them. They tend to be much better positioned to ask for things that are outside of the regular hard-coded based on your employee profile um, here's here's what you can have. I would tell you, make sure you're asking questions early in the process. Remember I said total compensation? Ask the recruiter everything. What's included in your total in your total compensation? This opens up the door to questions like, oh, I, I believe I heard you say until you're in your second year, you only have only have 10 days. Is that something that can be considered because the company that I'm at, I currently I currently have 20 recruiter not in a position to approve it but you've put it out there for discussion now now becomes a situation of the hiring manager maybe the hiring manager just has the flexibility to say yes when you take your extra two weeks i'll just approve your time card and it'll be approved as paid leave so be smart about when you ask for it and be flexible if they if they say no, or maybe, or we might be able to meet you halfway. Be prepared. Whatever question you ask, you have to be prepared for whatever that answer is. Yes. Yes. That 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 is so true and such great advice. And Tiara, thank you for uh, asking that question. And, you know, I'll, I'll, I'll give a few minutes if anybody else has any questions to, to drop in the chat, you know, to, to do that. And while we do, while we wait for that, Kim, and I want to give you an opportunity to, to just share. Is there anything else that you would like to share with anybody that is in a position where maybe they're not happy with their compensation right now or, um, you know, felt like, man, I made a mistake? Um, is it too late for me? And maybe we do another show about advocating for like a pay increase when you're already there. But 
What advice or guidance could you provide to anybody that might be sitting there thinking, I really messed up, or I want to make sure I'm prepared when I go in for this interview? Yeah. So um, I think the first question that you have to ask, is this a place where I want to stay? Um, if, if, this is, if this is not a place where you feel like you will be valued, that there's longevity for you, I would tell you, don't burn the time or the energy um, having conversations. If this is a place that you've decided, like, you know what, this, this isn't for me. I would say take the wisdom and start, start your career search over. But if this is a place that you, you know, believe like, man, like I just, I missed an opportunity. Um, you have to be prepared to be honest and vulnerable to sit down with whoever the right person is. It might be the, the, your actual manager. It might be the HR person. And here's the thing I'm going to caution you about. I know it seems like the right thing to do, but I, I do want to caution you. People will sometimes say, I found out so-and-so is making more money than me. And so I want to ask for more money. And my question always is, but if you didn't know that that other person was making more money, is that still the amount of money that you want to make? So any discussion that you have about compensation, make sure it is based on facts and, and, and not the emotion. Here's what the scope of this role is. Here's what I bring to the table. Um, here's how I performed in the interview. As, as I'm looking at um, our salary data, what I see in the market, I appear to be being paid $10,000, $5,000, $7,000 less than where I really should be. Help me understand how we got to where we are. And let's talk about the door being open to make an appropriate adjustment. Let me also say this, when there's a budget cycle Departments have money that's allocated to them. But as long as your C-suite is getting a paycheck and getting a bonus, there's money somewhere that can be moved around. <laughs> Very let, true. Let, let, me, let me just tell you that. So minus the emotion, be prepared to have a conversation that might be uncomfortable. But if you believe that you are not being compensated accurately or fairly, ha have it. Let me give you this quote too. Confidence rooted in capability is undeniable. Mm. Oh, say that again. Yes. <laughs> Confidence rooted in capability is undeniable. I mean, that, that right there sums that, up, that right up because, you know, what you're saying is so true. You have to take the emotion out. And what happens a lot, because it happens to me, is you agree to a position and then your abilities or capabilities exceed that. And then your plate somehow gets full with stuff that you didn't think you would be doing, right? But now I have the ability to do so they give it to me to do. All you're saying is I just got to be able to show that. I, I just got to yes. be able to show, Absolutely. hey, this Absolutely. is where we talked. I started, right? And here's what I'm doing now. Let's let's look at this and see if, if this is actually right or, or or should be there. So it's it's taking the emotion out not being mad about it or, or, or what have you, but, and just being strategic and smart and, and you and can, doing you it. can be passionate, but don't show up mad. Be, mm -hmm. The the mad will distract you and it, it will dilute the validity of your, um, you want to make data driven business decisions. That company is going to do the same. Make sure you show up with, show up with facts. And I want to ask you said, get it in writing. Absolutely. Um, if your offer of employment has been modified, you need an offer letter 
or an email because you need receipts. Receipts mm -hmm. are important. Be what if that manager leaves a month after you get there? Mm -hmm. What if that HR person is no longer there? You got to make sure you have it in writing because it's now um, a contract, an employment contract, a legally binding employment contract. Make sure you keep your receipts. Yes, yes. Wow. So we have a lot of thank yous out here. Tiara says, thank you so much for the advice. Tia says, thank you. Tracy says, preach. I mean, we have had an amazing um, episode tonight and we hope y'all learned something um, and you're going to walk away with uh, something because I even learned some stuff that I'm going to take away and share with the people who in the future ask me questions. But I also want you all to know that Kim is on LinkedIn. So if you are on LinkedIn, make sure you connect with her. Here is her uh, LinkedIn profile. It's Kimberly Jones, and, and, and she'll accept you. Just let her know, hey, I, I saw you on the podcast, and I just want to follow you and see what you're commenting on because, listen, she does give some great advice. She does, does, some, she does some great posts. She writes some great articles. And so I, I'm connected to her, and I follow her and everything. So make sure we talked about that network. We talked about who's in your circle. Is it people that are uplifting you, that are educating you, that are teaching you, right? Go ahead and connect with her and, and, and learn some things about navigating through this thing that we call uh, work. So um, I want to invite you guys to, to connect with her there. And I just want to say um, her LinkedIn again, for those listening, is Kimberly Jones, um, PHRPMP, and it says Chief Executive Officer, Talent Acquisition Superhero, speaking the truth about talent acquisition. And we are just delighted that, Kim, you joined us tonight um everybody said you know amazing session um gloria says thanks lashawn and kim loads of knowledge and and i i am humble and humbly grateful and we have to do this again i think we need to Definitely. do this again uh because there was Definitely. some some great insightful um tips shared and so um i'm gonna go ahead and send you backstage kim as i wrap this up for tonight Thank and she you. says bye everybody so you guys, this was such a great episode, and I'm just so glad and honored that we were able to get Kim in the room to be able to open up and share some real hard truths about things that we need to know. So remember, get your journal, write everything that's wonderful and fabulous about you, what makes you great, what makes you valuable, what makes you an asset to the company instead of an expendable person to the company. You want to identify those things. You also want to write down what's going to make you say yes and be prepared to accept it if they meet that. Know your number, total compensation, not just salary. Research what the total compensation is Ask about it. Communicate. Because when you communicate, you don't have to negotiate. There is an expectation and a standard that has already been set, already communicated before you dive deeper into the situation. So also ask questions in your interview when you're with your um, uh, interviewer. Ask them questions. And the question Kim shared, what have you learned about your leadership style based on the feedback that you've received from your team. Watch how they answer that. And that will let you know if you're going to work with or for someone who is open to receiving feedback and real honest and true with who they are. So connect with Kim um, if you haven't. And if you haven't already done so and you enjoyed this show, please subscribe. Subscribe so that you are notified the next time we go live. But just so you don't forget, subscribe so you get that notification and can join us for another episode of Let's Get Plugged. 
So tonight has been amazing. I appreciate your time. I appreciate your engagement and I will see you next Wednesday. Good night.